Welcome to another edition of Growing the Game with Ballsy. I do appreciate you checking this out as we try to build the stars of tomorrow today. And we do it here in our own way by word of mouth. We've got a lot of great sponsors that are helping me get the word out. Like only Saskatchewan kid to win a Super Bowl. Uh, Regina football royalty wrapped his career up with the Edmonton Elks but of course he was a punter for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders for a couple of seasons played with Green Bay played with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers I already mentioned the Seattle Seahawks he's now in the baseball business and uh, he is uh, always giving back to to the community as evidenced by the fact that he and his lovely wife Sarah Colonna the actress slash comedian coming for the U of R president's dinner this fall our first quarter is brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics. Beat back father time in a naturally looking way with Christina to catch. You can check her out at Face First on all the social media platforms. And she is downtown Regina in the heart of Regina above Gabos on Dudney Avenue. It's a place they call Beauty Avenue on the second floor there. Our first quarter guest is Scott McCauley of the Regina Thunder, the defending PFC champs who were just a whisker away from winning a national championship on Hope Turf last November, are undefeated in the regular season once again. 3-0, coming off a win over the Winnipeg Rifles, and the Regina Thunder have not lost a regular season game since October 20th, 2019. Yeah, thank you very much. It was... Uh... It was a good game. You know, there was a lot of adversity at the, the start of the game. Our guys came out a little bit slow, but I'm glad to see that they're able to bounce back and uh, come up with the big win in the very end. Yeah, I was there for the first quarter. I left 14 nothing. I should stay away, I guess. Or I should have left earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, but uh, it, it, it was, I think our guys were... I think they were they were excited and they're a little bit nervous. You know, first game of the year at home, a lot of family and friends wearing brand new jerseys, great crowd. Um, and I think they were just a little bit uh, too too tight. And so we're going to be working on that to make sure that our guys are a little bit more focused, a little bit more loose as we get into into the start of games. Now I know the the uh, the Hilltops games coming up here after the bye, and that's at Mosaic Stadium, and you, you have it there because you have more fans, obviously, coming to that game than any other game. But what a great atmosphere it is at Libel Field. That that does give you like a. It does kind of have a. Back when I used to play the Rams, go to Gordie Howe Bowl, you had a home field advantage. It kind of feels like you have a home field advantage there. Yeah, I, like I, we absolutely love going to Libel Field, and like. You know, there's probably about a thousand people uh, that pay to get in or whatever, and who knows how many other tickets were, were outside of that. But you know, about a thousand to twelve hundred people there, and it's absolutely packed. It's loud. It's great for the the players, and just I think everybody in the stands. Like they're talking about all how much fun it was, and it was, it was a good environment. It'd be nice to play the Hilltops there, and maybe pack the berm as well. Yeah, that that would be uh, outstanding. Uh, Scott, talk about your quarterback uh, at the start. Was a little off, just like your team, but uh, he was slinging it around at the end there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Carter Moberg, is, uh, this is his first year starting. Uh, he's played absolutely extremely well the like the first two games. And I think with any new quarterback, you know, you're going to get some peaks and you're going to get some valleys. And, you know, um, you know, maybe at the beginning of the game, he struggled a little bit, but like, also, not really either. Like, uh, you know, like there's some drop balls, right? And our receivers need to, to make those plays. Um, so we're, we're, we're extremely proud of the, the, how much he's progressed forward here the last uh, the last couple of weeks. And Chris Ashman and Stephen Ensign, they've done a good job. 
You talk about uh, Woodley, that uh, young receiver uh, who's been practicing with the Riders from the Boston area. He made a nice one-handed catch uh, running across the field away from your bench uh, in the game. Um, how much of a difference have you noticed him uh, You know, practicing with the Riders and transitioning that to your uh, level of play? Yeah, I mean, like he he's always worked hard in practice and stuff, but like now you can see that it's just a lot more crisp, like in his route running and his ability to make quicker reads and stuff. Um, but like the one thing with Willie too is that like he's put on some good size this year as well. Like he's extremely fit and and he's getting getting a lot thicker and stuff as well. So it's tougher to bring him down. Um, but he's definitely a shifty, fast guy. Uh, how much you know? pride do you take in that the Riley Schicks the Woodleys those kind of guys are the worlds that uh, you know and of course you had the Logan Furlins playing up at the big club full time but just the, the the thunder influence with the riders now yeah it's, it's pretty cool to have that relationship with the riders you know and uh, especially Jeremy O'Day like he's allowing us to uh, you know create even stronger bonds and give opportunities to the guy that maybe wouldn't get it and like a prime guy is like like you said, like Riley Schick, like the kid that's from like London, Saskatchewan and played nine man football and came to us and, you know, like I, he might go to school down the road, but right now he's not, you know, and so it's an opportunity for a guy to get bigger, faster, stronger, get that experience and then maybe he'll sign with them directly, uh, directly from the Thunder or straight to, to the Riders next year. Like who knows, but they at least got eyes on them and I think it's something we're incredibly proud of. Like one, we have a strong enough relationship that uh, the riders are allowing us to do that. And two, like, you know, there's a lot of, we've had a lot of local kids here or people that have been within our program that we've been able to develop to get to that point that, you know, they're good enough to, to go there and compete and, and, uh, you know, make a name for themselves. You know, how cool is it? It's not just a one-man show, but how cool is it to have a guy like Murad who can influence a lot of people and, you know, and all the sponsors that are getting on board now. You got the new jerseys, like you said. Uh, you, you fixed up your clubhouse. Uh, you know, it's 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 a destination in junior football to come play for the Regina Thunder. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like that's the one thing, like, it's... We're all working hard to make this like a real special place. So when people come here, you know, they get to be a part of something um, that's genuine and authentic and, and, and people come here and they care and they know they're going to be taken care of. And so it's something I'm, I'm extremely proud of. I mean, we talk to our guys all the time. Like when I played back in 2000, you know, we we're practicing on a gopher hole filled field right behind, uh, you know, uh, Curry baseball diamonds. You know, and there's like tons of gopher halls. So there's like a baseball uh, diamond there that, um, you know, with all the dirt and stuff. And now, you know, we got two, we have two grass fields. Our clubhouse, you know, was uh, in rough shape and we've been able to fix the floors like in the weight room and just provide a great atmosphere for, atmosphere for people to, to, to work in and, and hang out in. So it's, it's something I'm extremely proud of. And we're very fortunate enough people like Murad and a lot of the other directors that are volunteering their time to, uh, to help us out. So, uh, you know, sometimes stats are for losers and sometimes they tell something. You guys haven't lost, and we've talked about this, you haven't lost a regular season game since October 20th, 2019. Now, you haven't won the Ultimate Championship, I get that, but what does that mean for your program, for you heading that program, to uh, to have that streak going on? Because that does speak to something to me. Yeah, like... You know, we, we talked about the other day and I gave you like the, the generic answer back or whatever, but like upon reflection and stuff, it's something that, you know, I think I, I'm extremely proud of. It shows like all the effort that 
our volunteer coaches and volunteer support staff and volunteer board of directors have done is, you know, it's paying off and, and, and we're doing things the right way. And at some point it's going to come to an end, but I mean, right now, like I didn't even know what was really happening until you, you brought it up here, but um, you know, it makes me extremely proud because we work hard to do things the right way or the best we possibly can. And, you know, to be rewarded with, with those victories and then have it keep on compounding on is, is pretty special. I think it, it to me, it validates that we're doing things the right way. We need to keep on doing that to make sure we try to stay ahead of the curve. What I found cool, too, is I was standing at the top there, that nice where you can stand at Liable Field, and just below me were the group of your guys that weren't dressed, and they're banging drums, and they're being loud and supportive but polite at the same time. That, that speaks to good character on your team. Yeah, I mean, unless, Joe, Joe, we have a John Tokers, our leadership development coordinator, and he works hard on our culture, and, and, and it's funny because like a lot of the guys that are on the field playing were those guys in the stands last year or the year before, and they understand that like everybody has a specific role, and you know some guys maybe won't like that role, and they got to make a decision if they want to stick around or not. But you know the scout team guys are the ones that are like, giving our players uh, the the picture that they're going to possibly see that upcoming weekend, and, and, and pushing them in practice to, to compete and you know get those looks. So when we get to a game, like we've almost like have already played the game several times going into it, and, and those guys, like it's great to see them in the stands having fun and making memories. And um, you know, like I, I'm a dad too, and I can't wait to see my kids up there banging the drum one of these days. No kidding. And you're also the guy that does the laundry. I heard from a little birdie, one of the board members said I caught he caught you doing laundry the other day, and he's like, "Why is my head coach doing laundry?" And you said, "Well, it needed to get done." So you even do the laundry, Macaulay? Yeah, you just get get it get it done, man. People that are always doing different things. Yeah. God knows a whole bunch of people have tried to be the head coach here a few times too. So yeah, well, you're, <laughs> people see a bit of a boy, they all jump yeah. in. So. You better not tell your wife Susan that you're doing the laundry at, uh, at the clubhouse because you're probably not doing it at home, right? Absolutely. Just keep it quiet. She doesn't need to know nothing. <laughs> it's all good. Hey, man, take care. Congratulations. Enjoy the bye. All right. Thank you very much. For some ultra chic coconut body scrub, it's go time between the hand soaps and the three wick candles. In one corner, the girl buying the lemon mint leaf broom spray versus the girl getting the passion fruit and banana flower body cream. Shelves of foaming scented hand soap have never been more dangerous. Don't miss the bone crushing tactics. Excitement with extra soft skin. Bath and Body Works, Scottsdale Fashion Square. Be there. One of our other title sponsors is Paul Waldo at Royal LePage in Regina, the three-time Grey Cup champ. Won two Grey Cups with the Owls, one with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He now coaches the U of S Huskies secondary. He's played junior football with the Regina Thunder, so he's got it all covered, and he's got you covered in the real estate game. Get in the real estate game with Paul Waldo, 306-502-5355. And our second quarter is brought to you by the SAS Selects football program. Deb and Zelko Stefanovic do such a great job of helping to build the stars of tomorrow today with that great program they run out of the Yar Center that's expanded to Alberta and Manitoba now. It's like a runaway train, and I can't wait to see what they do next. And thanks to them for getting on board. You want your kids to go to the next level? Check out SAS Selects football. Well, the uh, game of football at large, but more specifically in Canada, lost 
lost the great builder and coach this week. Rich Stubler, who came to the CFL first in 1983 as the defensive coordinator and was with six organizations, won five Grey Cups, passed away at the age of 74. He was most recently a defensive coordinator at a prep school in Clearwater, Florida. I caught up with one of his old colleagues, Dwayne Mandruziak, who is the 49-year Edmonton Eskimos equipment manager and uh, had three tours of duty with Rich Stubler in the City of Champions. Here with one of the great characters in CFL history, longtime equipment manager for the Edmonton Eskimos and Elks, that'd be Dwayne Mandruziak. Uh, Actually, you weren't you weren't with the Elks. You're just Edmonton Eskimos, right? Because uh, you uh, during COVID, that's when uh, you you were done with the team, right? That's right. I, I've never played or worked a day for the Elks. I'm I'm a born and raised Eskimo. Yeah. So before we get to that, this is hilarious. Trying to get a hold of you, uh, y- you told me your your phone got ran over by a car. So you're you're using your son's or one of your son's phones. How did your phone get run over by a car, Dwayne? You know what? I got a bunch of lumber because we were fixing some uh, of a, the panels on my fence, and I put the phone on the back bumper of this truck, and uh, I was put all these pieces of wood in, and I, I'm getting old and forgetting things, I think, and I just pulled away, and the, the phone fell off of the Home Depot parking lot, and the guy drove over it and saw it, but picked it up and somehow got a hold of me, and I... Uh, I I just got the phone. It was uh, weeks old, so my my uh, my plan lasts another year. So I'm I'm in the world of hurt. Not funny for you, but uh, I tell you what, man, uh, you're full of great stories. Even that. So, Dwayne, this is where I wanted to go with this here before we get into why I really called you. The Elks win yesterday, so they end that big uh, losing skid at home. Do you do you still see yourself as a proud alumni, or is that uh, kind of mixed feelings for you? I haven't uh, been associated with the football club uh, since I uh, left. I've uh, gone in other uh, directions. I'm working at a golf course, and I'm working with a friend of mine at a elite promotional and um, marketing. And so I've been fairly busy. I have, um, I've kind of let that stuff settle down, and we'll see what happens in the future. But uh, right now I'm uh, pretty happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. Are you happy, though, that the uh... – that they returned to the double E on the helmet. I think that's iconic and it needed to come back. Uh, absolutely. I, I, um, I'm glad that they did that. I, I didn't think that the two pieces of wilted lettuce, uh, really, uh, <laughs> let us know who we were, but, um, you know what? It's, um, I would have probably gone a little bit further and, and brought back the, uh, the, the old oval, uh, oval deco and, but uh, their 75th anniversary is coming up, so I'll be interested to see what they do. Okay. So, Dwayne, uh, in your time, you met a lot of great people, the Don Matthews, the Hugh Campbells, um, the list of Warren Moons, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, where does Rich Stubler rank there? Is he just recently passed away at the age of 74 with six teams, including the Eskimos, five-time Grey Cup champ? Well, I'll tell you what, Rich is a great guy and uh, was wonderful to us. He was I uh, I judge I measure guys by how they treat the the locker room kids who who um, work their butts off for very little pay, and Rich was one of the classiest guys. I'll tell you what, uh, in, from '91 to '95, I had the most amazing coaching staff with Ron Lancaster as the head coach and Rich as the DC and Adam Reed as the OC and Bill McDermott for the O line and Mark Nelson, Greg Newhouse. I mean. 
but I couldn't have asked for a better crew back then. And and Rich was was wonderful. I mean, he's so creative with his defense. Had everyone uh, confused for the first uh, few years until they started figuring some of it out. But he was constantly. He was like the mad scientist. He was constantly changing things and doing stuff. And he um, he worked his butt off. I'll tell you what. I we would come in early, and Rich would have been there for hours already. And and um, even when he left, and he left, I was lucky enough to have Rich three times on our staff, uh, different years and stuff. But he would uh, always come to our equipment room, and he remembered my son's name, and, and um, always asked about him, and came in to make sure he gave me a hug and told me that he loved me and missed me and. And I missed him too, you know. I mean, he was, you, know, you get, you, you'll find the good ones you never forget. The other ones, the bad ones are gone in a flash. But uh, when I heard the news the other day, it, um, I tore a little bit of my heart out. You know, it's it's funny you bring it up like that, Dwayne. It's a good way to put it because, you know, there's a football lifer that bounced around. He loved the game. But when you get asked back that many times, for instance, three times in Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Hamilton, when you're asked that many times back, there's a reason, right? Absolutely there is. You know, there's so many guys out there. The life of an assistant coach is a nomadic type of life. If you get more than a couple years at a at a, uh, with a team, you're doing pretty good, you know, and, and, uh, so there's, you know, Rich was, uh, always welcome back and, and he was such a class guy. I mean, he, um, he epitomized what the CFL is all about. I don't, I don't Was he a single guy? And I'm only saying that because I don't know if he had any kids, but to me, he would treat the players like they were an extension of his family, like kids. Absolutely. I mean, you have to do that. I mean, you have to, you have to show the players that they, I mean, this is the last uh, sports league that you play really for the love of the game. Um, you don't, you don't, nobody retires once they finish playing in the CFL. And so you become, it's a different uh, type of atmosphere and, and the players are more appreciative of what, what you do for them. And the coaches are the same way. They, you know, they, they, they're not making the millions that the NFL coaches are making. They, they still spend the same amount of hours and, and um, you know what, I, I always laugh because the Canadian people always bag on the CFL that, because uh, it's not as exciting enough. But I, when I go to these conventions in the States, the Americans loved our game. And they used to say, we'd, we'd love to use your, uh, your rules, but then we'd have to show everybody that you guys were right. And um, so, it's, you know, when you see these different things that coaches come up with and, and all the things and how excited they get, they're like little kids on the sidelines, you know, and then, and it uh, it keeps you coming back. It, it it kept the fire going for me all the time. You know, it's really I'm glad a guy like you who who uh, can speak at the structural level, like you're the behind the scenes, really foundational guy, and and you were for many many years. Um, it's good you say that because we do we don't we don't appreciate the game we have and the people like Rich Stubler that go through our game like legends and just everyday people that you can reach out and touch, so to speak. Like it is it is a great league when you think about it. And you're right, it's the last league where yeah you get paid, but for the most part you're you're playing for the love of the game. They have the same injuries that the guys in the NFL get, at half the amount of money that they get, probably less than that even. And you know what they? Uh, but none of them complain. I mean, the guys they come into work and they. Have, I tell it's kind of like I told my kids when they're in high school: have the time of your life because it goes by so fast that you blink and your career's over. And and that's what happened with me. I mean, I, I you go and all of a sudden you sit back and you finally get a chance to reflect on what you've what you've been through and you realize. 
boy, 49 years went by in a flash, you know, and, and uh, you, I don't forget any of these guys. It, I like with Rich and these guys, and I see Mark Nelson, we stay in touch, and, and I, the coaches are my age, so I, I'm, I related more to the coaches than most of the kids that are playing. Yeah, I have a new appreciation too. Uh, you know, in my I'm going to be 51 on Friday, and I'm on the and a, a younger Michael Ball just into this profession might be a little more critical of uh, of the players, but I sit there and I'm thinking, geez, these guys could be my son. You kind of get a different appreciation of it as you go along in your life. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be 67 on Monday, and <laughs> and uh, I don't feel that age at all, but. You know what? And the young kids keep those players kept me young and and stuff. So the um, you know, they're the same age as my kids now. You know, and and so I, I, it was fun. Actually, it's like raising a hundred kids a year. You know, yeah. and um, but and they all have their own worries. And they all have their own concerns. And they're um, you know, when they're not playing, they they get the they start to think the coaches don't like them. And I was like Switzerland. I I would try to keep the kids happy and keep the coaches from cutting them. You know. <laughs> I love it, Dwayne. Uh, we'll catch up again. Thanks for your uh, thoughts on Rich Stubler. I appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Have a great day. Always great talking to you, buddy. Yes, our resident health and lifestyle expert, Tish Duffy. She's been in the exercise and training business for over 30 years and uh, looking uh, just like a fine wine. She's aging beautifully. Okay, so let <laughs> Let's talk about this. You got a newsletter out, and uh, the last time we chatted, it was the first pillar to uh, a long life was cardio. You've got three pillars. Let's do number two this week. What's the second pillar? Number two, strength training. So I believe that cardio helps you live longer, but if you focus on the strength component, you will live a better life. So we really need to make sure that we're committing to keeping our bodies strong. So just a a little bit of history or some stats. So your listeners can kind of understand the importance of what happens as you age. So we can we basically lose uh, muscle mass approximately five to ten percent per decade as we start to hit thirty. So even your young listeners, this is a really important key. So thirty is super super young, especially for you and I. Um, but that's yeah. when things start going downhill if you're not keeping and maintaining some muscle. At the rate of this decline, the rate of this decline story is even higher after the age of fifty-five. So once we all hit 55, then life can get even scarier if we don't keep strong. Um, by the time we hit 70, so although this seems like a really far, far uh, years ahead, um, I'm sure you can also attest that 50 came pretty quickly yes, as did. well. So 70, um, we can lose up to 50% of our muscles. So things happen really, really quickly. So there's five movements that I really recommend people maintain, and this can be done with very, uh, like, no equipment, so no excuses. So, of course, the squat. So we always want to make sure that we can get on and off the toilet and just be as functional as possible. So those are all versions of squats, back squats, front squats, foot squats, etc. The lunge, so you uh, can do these stationary or reverse. I usually recommend not doing the forward-to-back lunge because it's really hard on the knee and actually doesn't do much. A vertical pull, so something like a pull up um, or a pull down, so that will keep your core strong as well as up, elevate your shoulders back and keep your body more upright rather than leaning forward. The hinge, so things like deadlift and thrust are the fourth component. And then of course, you wanna continue and keep those farmer's walks going. So anything where you're carrying something heavy, you should be able to carry that for 
a substantial amount of time. So those five movements are the most important that you need to stay consistent with. Okay, and lastly, if you were like doing weights in terms of weight training, like actual dumbbells or barbells, uh, should the, the older you get, like say about 40 on, should you be concentrating more on uh, on the reps as opposed to the weights when you're strength training? I think so, yeah. I mean, every age is different. Like I have some clients that by the time they hit 35, they can really feel their joints. So it is specific. And I, then again, I also have some 55 plus year old clients that are still, you know, feeling pain free, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, I always say the last few reps should be uncomfortable, but reaching fatigue or failure is probably not something that you need to do as you get older. Um, I also like the idea of using bands. They're really effective in working both eccentric and concentric consistently throughout the whole movement. And they're just overall a little bit safer on the joints. You slow things down usually with bands. So I just think that it's a really smarter way to train. Smart, Train smart, not harder as you get older. Get a hold of her on all the social media platforms. Train with Tish. It's Tish Duffy. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. If you're getting married, here are some wedding traditions couples want to leave behind. Playing the wedding march when the bride walks down the aisle. Wearing a white dress. Not seeing each other on your wedding day. Waking up with your soon-to-be brother-in-law in a Motel 6 near the Mexican border. On second thought, this wedding is off. What the hell was I thinking? Whew! Dodged a bullet right there. I'm so glad we had this survey. Hand me the tequila bottle. Our third title sponsor here on Growing the Game with Ballsy is Advantage Collision with the locations in Saskatoon and Prince Albert. Choose Advantage Collision because they care about your safety. Ben Garrow and his gang will treat you right. Ben had a terrible chuck wagon accident here just recently and he's recovering. Uh, he's Saskatchewan tough. Two broken vertebrae, but he does not require surgery and in fact, he... Uh, Made it to the Labor Day Classic. That's what I call a true Rough Rider fan. Thanks to him for getting on board and supporting this podcast. The third quarter is brought to you by another great guy, Murad El-Khatib, the uh, World Entrepreneur of the Year from AGT Foods and, of course, president of the Regina Thunder. I had a chance recently to catch up with Commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Randy Ambrosi. You know what, man? I love what the CFL has done in terms of, uh, you know, Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at least till the NFL season starts. I think that was a great move, and it's really showing in the ratings. Well, you know, I should start, Michael, by just a giant shout-out to our team presidents, including Craig Reynolds, who were really a big part of that. We we solicited a lot of feedback from our presidents about how we looked at our schedule and uh, Craig was uh, Craig was very helpful. He gave us some he gave he shared some really good ideas with his colleagues. I have gotten and we have gotten overwhelmingly positive feedback on this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule. And I think it is something that uh, there's great enthusiasm for going forward. So thank you for that feedback. And, and look, let's just hope we get another another round of games this week that have been as exciting as we've seen in past weeks. Let's talk about uh, some of the previous uh, trouble areas. Uh, I mean, Toronto's not selling the thing out, but attendance is up. So, uh, you know, it's baby steps, right? Well, it's all heading in the right direction. First of all, I, I, you know, I keep using this expression, but I want to shout out to uh, Bill Manning and Chris Schufeld. Bill Manning, of course, the president, and 
and Chris Shufelt is his uh, is his chief lieutenant. Uh, Michael Clements. I mean, what they're doing there. There is an energy around MLSE. There's an energy around the Argos. It's unmistakable. They are making progress there. You know, their game day numbers are up significantly. They're they're making tremendous efforts. I, I just love the direction they're heading in. And then Michael, candidly, you add that to the the. the you know, new owner in Montreal that we can't be anything but thrilled about. I think that'll go down as one of the great successes of 2023. And then what Amar Dolman is doing in BC, it's uh, our major markets are now uh, are now really on the right track and, and quickly becoming a strength of the CFL. Yeah, so talk about those two guys. Just, uh, you know, their business pedigree is one thing, but uh, they really have bought into our brand of football, the Canadian brand of football. We were just in Montreal. It obviously wasn't a good thing for the Rough Riders. It was uh, admittedly a pathetic performance. But with Metallica in town, yeah, they had about 18,000 at the game, but it was a, a really nice night, and uh, the fans were into it, which was a, a different vibe than even the year before when Montreal beat the Riders. It just felt different. Yeah, you know, it, it, every interaction with, uh, Pierre Carl Palado and his and his organization. Every interaction is positive and constructive and highly energized. And there is a, I, I just have to say, I'm just overwhelmingly impressed by the way they handle their business and their commitment to you know what to creating a long term future for the Alouettes is unmistakable. And it it it's exactly as what we see with Amar doing in BC. And that focus on kind of a, a very long term, a long term lens on making sure we're building and they're doing the right things and building a presence in the marketplace. That's uh, that's been so impressive. So, you know, it just I think of I think of our major markets and I think we're we're so on the right track. And as you know, Michael, that wasn't always the case, but it sure feels good today. Yeah, for sure. I, I always said the commissioner that could get those uh, markets uh, going in the right direction and uh, with some stability and success, long-term stability and success should get a statue. So who knows? Maybe Randy Ambrosi statue someday. Hey, <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Kamish, I got to ask you this, though. Uh, I, I can see in our radio broadcast we're sold out. We've got everything sold except for the timeouts, like everything. Yak yards, it's all sold on the on the Rider Radio Network. But that's the that's kind of the flagship for uh, for interest in the league. With uh, all due respect to Winnipeg, I th- you look at the ratings, I still think it's Saskatchewan that that carries the flag there. But speaking of the ratings, you're getting some uh, great ratings, 25 to 54, which is a, a key demo. Yeah, you know, Michael, up 29% year over year, and and the and I believe the story is that we've been working hard building this foundation. Yet actually, I think it connects back to the the investment that the governors made in our in our digital platforms. And while at the time, you know, through 2017, 18, 19, of course, 20 was disrupted and 21, 22, you couldn't, it wasn't so obvious, but the growth in the performance and the use of all of our digital platforms is overwhelmingly positive. And I think that's leading people to just having greater engagement with the game. It's attracting new people to the league and it's been a really good story. So, you know, all of these things are like building blocks, not, not one of them. The, is the reason why we're having success. They all play a role together. They're all connected. I think the digital platform and the success we're having there is helping on the ratings. But then you got to just look at, at the way our teams have performed. And, you know, so many good games. And, I, you know, Michael, uh, get used to this expression. Why the CFL? Fun, fast, and entertaining. Fun. If you like sports and you like fun, fast, and entertaining, 
you got to love the CFL because that's what our league really stands out. And, and, and Michael, not just offense and defense, but one of the yeah. key reasons why you want to watch our game is because special teams are absolutely a feature of the CFL. And this year, you know, all of the scoring on, on, um, on special teams related plays, I think just is another reason why if you're a sports fan, and by the way, you can like other football too. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you can't like the other, other, other leagues, but I think just on its own, you can love ours because it's got such a high level of uh, entertainment quality. No, I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Maybe it was back uh, during COVID around, uh, you know, around COVID whether it came from you or there was, you know, some reporting around the league office that, you know, there was the XFL talk and everything like that. One thing I'm really happy about is the messaging from the league office led by you with, it's not your league. People need to know that you work for people, but it's, it's the, it's the Canadiana. It's the CFL. It's the three down game. It's the positive messaging about our game and how it's unique. I've said this many times. I think the XFL, the USFL, and to some extent, the NFL, they take our rules too, and don't really give us credit. IE the PAT moving back to the 32 yard line, which I think is one of the greatest rule changes in, uh, in professional football in the last 30 years. It makes a nothing play into something. And that started here in the Canadian football league. I like like the messaging from your office um was it always that way or was there something where you're like no you know what we gotta really get into this three down game because you do you mentioned it randy you do have to do something with the football on every play in our game which is not the case in other football yeah my own michael look i i think we went through a very healthy exercise to sit down and ask ourselves if we're if the goal was fun, fast, and entertaining. What do we have to do? And I think we asked the question, honestly, we brought all of our football people together, all of our coaches, head coaches, GMs, our presidents, and we sat in the room and we spent an entire day just said, look, if the goal is we need to be, if we want to compete, if we want to grow, if we want to be successful, you got to be fun, fast, and entertaining. What do we need to do? And we came out with a resounding, an overwhelming and a resounding commitment to our game. Because we can see how the changes that we're making and that we have made and we'll make in the future can give us a product that is highly, highly saleable in all of the markets in our country and not just in Canada, but around the world because our game is special. Michael, I think there's something about being able to take a hard look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you do that and then you and then you say after that hard look, this is what we should be. You actually feel you feel more of a commitment to it than you have in the past because you've done the work, and the and the and all the compliment, all the credit for this goes to our presidents, our coaches, and our GMs for sitting down, taking a hard look at us, and then when we left that room, we are the CFL. We play three downs, and we have three phases of the game that all matter offense defense and special teams and that's what we've been seeing and that's one of the many reasons that this is that league is this league is on the right track and heading 
towards a very bright future. Two more quick questions for you. you got a busy day, I know. So I want to ask you this. Danny Machocha kind of brought this up, and it's been talked about in circles. We have a, a quarterback injury issue. You and I kind of alluded to it here at the uh, at the start of the interview, getting those two great guys back, Kalaros and uh, Cody, t- tonight for the game. But, you know, 23 quarterbacks going into last week had taken at least 10 snaps. Like, they've, they've, they've played meaningful snaps, which... Uh, in some ways is okay because you get to see new and up-and-coming guys maybe, but you want your primetime quarterbacks being in there. Uh, Danny kind of alluded to the fact that we may have to look at how we distribute our ratio in terms of, you know, maybe too many Canadian uh, Canadians in the offensive line matching up with their American counterparts and Canadian offensive linemen playing university sports need a little more time to develop. Uh, will that be something you think you guys will have, at, uh, you know, in a broader sense, a, a bigger talk in the offseason? Well, look, we've got a we've got a collective bargaining agreement with our players, and we're bound and determined to honor it. Uh, why? Because that's what that's what good partners do. I think we're always going to talk about the, the future of our game. Look, one thing I can tell you this is that I am absolutely certain is that we have amazing Canadian athletes playing in this game, and not just on the offensive line, but receivers and defensive backs and linebackers and safeties. And Frank, and by the way. Um, pretty good quarterbacks as well if i if i can say obviously uh you know nathan's down in the u.s uh now and putting on a show and making canadians proud but canadians can play this game you know we we need to focus on how we develop our develop our canadian talent how we develop our talent overall we've got we got a group of global players that are in that are really performing in the cfl I think the answer, Michael, is you always want to look at how do you get the best players playing the game? How do you get the most talent on the field? Because that creates greater that creates a that creates the greatest product you can possibly produce. And we'll always have these conversations. But for the record, I think we got an amazing level of talent in the Canadian Football League in all three groups. Our Canadian talent is very strong. Our American talent has been and, and continues to be very strong, and our global talent is really starting to shine. So all three are good, but we're always going to be looking for ways to develop more talent and, and make sure that um, we put the best players on the field. And I can't let you go, Commissioner, without asking you about the, the genius sports and the stats. It's frustrating from my perspective as an announcer, um, you, know, you know, trying to do your prep work and everything like that. It is for fans, but it's it's more important, I think, for betting because we've all acknowledged betting is the next thing that's going to help both the CFL and the players with that agreement you talked about. I, I can appreciate in the past you've apologized for it being slowly rolled out, so I'll give you credit for that. Where do we stand right now with this, Commissioner, and has it taken longer than than you anticipated? Yeah, it, it look, Michael, again, you know, it's uh, I think it's important not to be disingenuous. Uh, look, I, I think it's been frustrating. And look, we have been, we have now been talking to genius at the highest, highest levels of their organization and had really good conversations with them. They are they've applied a huge level of resources to getting this thing, you know, uh, fully operational. The good news, Michael, is that the core stats engine is now performing very well. What they're, what they're now working on is building our historical stats into our stats platform. That's some of the things, some of what you're talking about. Your ability to prep is based on your ability to kind of see a player over time, mm-hmm. and that work is being done today. But the stats platform itself is operating at a much, much better level. It's been, it's been much more reliable. 
um, you know, one of the things that we are working on is the interface between our stats platform and the uh, and those that and those that post our stats on their sites. And there has been there has been some work done recently to see if we can't expedite that uh, that. The bottom line is this: it has uh, it's been frustrating, Michael, and I've I've, uh, I've kicked the you know I've kicked my desk more than once, uh, you know, feeling angry that uh, that we couldn't get this, we didn't get this right right off the bat. But I also know that what we're building here and what we're implementing is a stats platform that's going to carry us into the future. So I I think I'd say to a fan, any fan, and to any of our media partners, including you, Michael, if a, 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 an apology for not getting this right, but I can say I can promise you this: that what we're putting in place is going to lead us to better things down the road, and it's going to help us all get to where we want to go. The funnest, fastest, most entertaining brand of football in the world, and all of the tools around it to make sure that we can reach every fan uh, possible. So anyway, again, it's it's two stories: it's the disappointment that we didn't get it right, and then the, the excitement about what we're actually building. Uh, Commission, enjoy the weekend of football. Should be a good one. We call it the 57 and three minute league. There's 57 minutes in the last three minutes unmatched. It's going to be fun. And 57 is a great number, by the way. I happened to wear that uh, for for a lot of years during my career, so I'm very happy with that uh, with that summary. <laughs> Take care, my friend. Thanks, Michael. Bye for now. And now a few seconds inside the mind of the lady that works at the dry cleaners. Why do I do this job? Oh, you need this lime green blouse back by Tuesday at 5? Why? Are you playing a skittle in an elementary school production of Willy Wonka? That was just a few seconds inside the mind of the lady that works at the dry cleaners. Our fourth quarter is brought to you by Hammer Time Roofing and my good friend Kevin Welsh in Saskatoon. Saskatoon's only certified roofing business. They specialize in GAF, Certainty in Malarkey Roofing. You want to get in the roofing game? Do it with Kevin Welsh and Hammer Time Roofing. 306-262-ROOF. Or you can get a hold of them on their email, roofs.ht at gmail. Com. Well, the two-time defending Hardy Cup champions are the U of S Huskies. They're led by Hall of Famer Scott Flory, who's got the whole province covered. He played for the Huskies, and he's a Regina-born guy. Can't get any better than that. How are you today, Scott? I'm good, Baldy. How are you? Good. Hard to believe. Season's back. Although maybe it's not hard to believe. It's not like when the season ends, you just uh, go to sleep in hibernation. It's a year-round job, but uh, you got to be excited to be back. Yes, it uh, it seems like it's never going to get here in the middle of January, and then uh, it comes too quickly when you're finally in it, but excited, really excited uh, for it, and the uh, boys are looking forward to Friday night. So um, you return most of your team, man, uh, except for the key area where Mason Nias leaves. He's still in the conference actually coaching, but uh, uh, just talk about his replacement and what you plan there, because that is the most important position in football. Yeah, well, I would argue the the hardest position in all of sport to play, in my opinion. So, yep. uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got a guy that uh, you know recruited years ago and has been with us, growing and developing, and was a number number two guy last year. So he takes the reins. Uh, Anton Amadrud uh, is is his name. So he, uh, I mean, he's been doing some really good things here in practice. He's growing. He's a young guy. He's he's still he's still on his journey. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, we had the exhibition or non conference game there last week and. He did some really good things. So, um, yeah, we just got to make sure it translates when, uh, 
you know, when the lights are on on Friday nights. Well, it helps, though, that Scott Flory's got a good offensive line, which is no surprise when Scott Flory's running the team. But also, you got a good, a stable of running backs. You know, you got uh, Riker Frank out of Regina and a bunch of other great guys you can rotate in and help him. You, you and Chena's there. I mean, it's pretty good stable there. Yeah, we got four guys uh, in the backfield that we have no issue to, uh, getting the ball to. The hard part is getting them all on the field some way, somehow, or getting them all touches and carries. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Riker Frank, as you mentioned, Ted Cabongo, Josh Iwanchina, and Caden Miller, who, I mean, I call a young guy, but he's been with us for three years already. So, um, And then, yeah, we've got some receivers as well that, you know, we just got to make sure um, those guys are detailed in their routes and what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. But it's – it's so we, we don't want to put – you know the quarterback is it's 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 hard, man. It's tough. It's not easy, but you don't want to throw too much at a at a young quarterback when they're when they're taking their first snaps. So, uh, you know we got to be able to protect them, be good teammates around them. Talk about that defense, though. That's uh, you, you're stacked there too. Like I said, this team is pretty stacked, except you just got to figure out the quarterback spot with the growing pains. Yeah, well, no, and, and yeah, defensively we're um, we return. You know, a bunch. I think ten starters are on the yeah. on the defensive side, and added uh, added Reese McCormick there at, at, on the defensive line from the Thunder as well. So he's had a great camp. He's making the adjustment here um, seamlessly. So uh, you know, and, and veteran guys are in the back end, and and yeah, it's you know we're excited for it, but you know it's got to translate too, right? Like so, we're, sometimes you get in your little bubble and you're just playing against yourself and practicing, and we're like, oh, this guy's pretty good, but you don't actually see the forest for the trees. So that's why it's so important to get out there and actually start competing and playing the games. Um, when you've got the swings in the game and the highs and lows and special teams and all all phases of it. That's the beauty of the game of football. What do you like better? Do you like coaching or do you like the GM part where you're uh, where you're recruiting players and, and always building a consistent roster? Oh, at the end of it, the coaching side of things for sure. I think that it is very fulfilling though that from the recruitment side when you see a guy, right? When you see a guy and when they when they uh, they have the opportunity and they fulfill the potential or you see something in them or you, you trust your gut and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think I've been pretty lucky at that with, with a lot of the guys that, that, that we've brought in here uh, through the program. But, um, you know, I, I, I think they both are rewarding, but I, I love the, the strategy and the X's and O's of, of football. And that's just that's the part. There's so much nuance to the game. Uh, that is just, it's, 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 it's my drug, I, I suppose. Yeah. So when my son, Scott Flory was being recruited, he did look at your program, of course, cause it is a, a solid program. Uh, it's kind of got that American collegiate feel to it. Um, and, and we talked, I talked to you as a parent and then as a, as an announcer, you had said early on, listen, I'm, I want to get guys that are going to be committed to my program for five years or four years, you know, like not lifers, but you want them from start to finish. I guess where I'm going with this, your initial mentality was, I don't know if I'm going to bring a guy in for two years that has experience elsewhere, you know, i.e. junior football. Has that mentality in recruiting changed somewhat? Uh, no, there's always exceptions to the rule. you got to, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, not gonna try to affect the product in the field if we have some late developments or somebody that has the ability to come in and all that kind of stuff for sure. But at the end of it, I mean, philosophically, my 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 approach to recruiting hasn't changed. Is get those those best young athletes that I can find the kids graduating high school, uh, bring them in, grow them, develop them. Um, you know, get them in our strength conditioning program, get them in our systems, get them with our coaches to to skill develop. Um, and then, and then give them uh, the opportunity to play the game. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that that, that recipe hasn't changed. There's always going to be exceptions to the rule. Everybody's path is different, whether it be junior fall, junior football in Canada or NCAA ball south of the border. 
um, that doesn't matter. But it, to me, it's 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 about getting the right people in here. Um, you know, the right young men that that are you know, man, not only good football players but good people. Um, and yeah, and that number one, they got to love football though. Yeah, that, well, you have to love it. If you're going to put that much time and effort, especially as a student athlete, like uh, you could speak to this being a coach now, and you were a student athlete, but to be, let's say, a professional football player in the CFL, let's say, you got to be way more disciplined there than you do at the U sports level. By But when I say that, I mean this. You're very structured. You go to class, you know you got to do that. You know you got to come back to do meetings. You know you got this and that when it relates to football. In the CFL, they keep you around for four hours, and there's a lot of free time for you. There's not a lot of free time as a student athlete. I don't think people really realize that. It's not like, oh, let's play football and party and go to a couple of classes. Yeah, no, that's not the way it works. And yeah, if that is or isn't the perception out there, it needs to change because, I mean, the academic portion of it, they have to be full-time students, which is essentially a full-time job. I mean, you may only go to class four or five, six hours a week, but you got to put in double that outside of it if you want to have success in the classroom. And then you look at from a football side of things uh, with lifts and practice and all that kind of stuff. We have the guys here five, six hours a day, easy. Um, that's a full-time job. And that's seven days a week in and of itself, right? So you're, you're, you're looking at two full-time jobs there. And then you got to manage being a being a young man too and having a little bit of social life and not living on your phone and actually getting out and doing some things too yeah. so uh it, it is not easy and that's why they are a special breed and i think that that's why um you know these these guys have such such success when they leave our program very good point okay uh lastly from your from your perspective as a coach <clears throat> you've got to uh you've got to the doorstep a couple of years in a row and haven't quite kicked the door down Looking at your own performance, is there anything you want to change, or do you think it's just stick the course and things just didn't work out for us when we got to the end? No, we're always adapting and growing. I mean, I say it to my guys all the time, adapt or die. We have to be fluid. I think you look at uh, you know programs and, and coaches and all that kind of stuff. You've got to be adaptable into what you're doing. That doesn't mean you you stray from your core values and, and who and what you are as a program. I mean, us is up here at, uh, with the Huskies of – you know, BT set it, and before him it was set by Val Schneider, and before him it was set. It was, we're an elite program. Uh, we've got incredibly high expectations, but uh, but we also understand, um, you know, the that you know it, it is a journey, and our journey is is here with this group, and you know we've got the, we've got there, we've got to that game. Uh, you know, our our program's you know standards, we expect to get and be in that game. Uh, at the end of it, I mean, those are two gladiators going at any championship game. Uh, we played. Both of them we lost. We played great games. I take nothing back from it. It's just part of the journey. Um, we, you know, we, we strive. We hope our goal is for sure to get back there again and be able to win it. But we're always continuing to grow. Uh, we got to find those six or seven points and find a way to close it out. But we got to get there first. And we're in a tough conference. There's, there's really good teams in this country. There's really good football programs. Um, it'll be a fight every week.